0: Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast, produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website,
1: dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Uh, Today, I have with me a very special guest, um, Susan Leckwitz. Susan, say hello.
0: Hi. It's nice to be here.
1: Yeah, It's great to have you here. We're, we're always thankful for the tremendous guests that we're able to uh, bring on um, to the show. Um, Susan, can you tell me a little bit about your background? How did you get into dentistry um, and how did that lead into you becoming a coach?
0: Sure. I uh, I grew up in a dental family. My father practiced dentistry for 50 years and he loved the profession and really encouraged all of his kids and anyone even who had kids that they should go into dentistry. And I went to dental hygiene school right out of high school. And I practiced with him for several years. And then I practiced for a periodontist and some other practices. I did hygiene for close to 20 years. And during that time, I was working with a practice that had hired a coaching company and I really enjoyed the process of having an outside observer, of setting goals of challenging myself of looking at new ways to do things. And this, um, this woman who was our coach had said to me, you know, I think you'd be a, I think you'd be a good coach. And at the time I was doing really well working and living in the same town. And I said, well, it was flattered. She, she said that, but I said, I'm, I'm really happy with what I, where I am. And fast forward, you know, five or six years, I ended up getting married and moving out of that state and I was in an area where I was struggling to find a dental practice that I liked working in and I reached out to her and she offered me a coaching position with her company and I worked with her and her partner for nine years and then uh five years ago I launched my own coaching business so I've been doing this about thirteen, thirteen 13 years total coaching
1: that's a great amount of experience and especially since you have the the hygiene and growing up in a dental practice—I I have to imagine that you've seen just about everything, um, right?
0: I think so. I think so. Yeah. I've worked with all different size practices, and and it, it, that's the nice thing about dentistry. There's so much variety in the service mix and in the type of practice.
1: Yeah. So the one thing I wanted to talk to you about today, and I want you to 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 talk your to audience a little bit about and. I've heard through the, you know, through the grapevine, and I'm sure you're all aware of this. I'm sure dentists are asking you about this, but it seems like PPO is getting more and more difficult to work with. It seems like we're seeing another round of um, cuts in um, what they're willing to reimburse um, doctors for their services. Um, so I'm seeing more and more dentists, you know, trying to figure out ways to get off of PPO. Are you experiencing that same thing in your coaching business?
0: Yes, I am. I am. I'm- many clients are coming to me saying okay i want to either limit my you know participation with ppos and look at you know how i can become more profitable and drop some plans some some people are coming to me saying i want off of everything completely i think it's important that you have a strategy and a plan when i launched my business i And as a coach, I quickly realized that one person can't know everything. So I've created a really good network of resources for specialty coaches and for different areas of the practice. So I named my business Dental Coaches because I wanted a team effort. So I love helping doctors really take a look at their practice, their numbers, their profitability, their patient base, and say, okay, how can we become less dependent and become unrestricted providers on some of these plans, have a great patient experience and attract the type of patients who want to come see us, not just sign up to come see us because we're on their insurance list.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Here's something, though, that is a little twist. We're going to do a little differently today that I think you're out there is, a lot of dentists, uh, you know, I would say most dentists want to get off of PPO. I, I think almost every doctor in the, the the plan says, yeah, I don't want to be on PPO anymore. But I have to imagine that pe- not everybody, not every practice, that should want to get off of PPO. Correct? There's got to be some practices out there that PPO is right for them, right? And right? That makes sense.
0: Right. Well, I think you have to really take a look at your demographics, your area, you know, what your what your what your adjustment rates are. And if you're going to think about replacing patients, what type of marketing you're going to do and, and how are you going to set yourself apart so that people really find value in going to you. And there's a lot of different components to it. And it really has a lot to do with the mindset too of the doctor. Sure. I mean, it's huge.
1: Yeah. So what what would be a good way so that's just contacting someone like yourself. What would be a good way for a practice to know, hey, we need to stick with PPO. PPO is the right way for us. You talked about demographics, whether it be income demographics or just kind of their their, their geographical setting or, or what have you.
0: Well, I think you need to know, you know, out of your active patient base, how many patients are on each of these plans? You know, which are the ones that have the most patients? Which are the plans that are the hardest to deal with? I think you have to look at the numbers, to say okay you know if i shrink this practice or if i drop this plan how many potential patients could i lose and still you know still be profitable so you have to really kind of look at everything from a numbers perspective what sure. you know because before you start saying I don't, I don't want this one or i don't like this one
1: so so let's say that a, a doctor has decided hey i'm done with ppo whether it's um, because they're just frustrated with the reimbursement or they just want something totally different. Um, what would be, what would be three or four steps that they could take? Um, and maybe even those first steps being what's a step they could take today or tomorrow to start getting themselves on track to, um, become fee for service.
0: Well, I think it's important to, to have a strategy and a plan. And if you say, okay, it's March by like the end of the year, I want to be off a couple of plans. I, I, I'd have at least a six-month window, six to 12-month window, and I'd start having conversations with patients, and I'd start preparing them, and I'd start talking about how difficult it is for you to maintain a certain quality of care and level of care at these contracted rates, and that, Patrick, the next time you come in, I might be in a different relationship with your dental benefit plan. You know, we're, we're just going to become, you know, an unrestricted provider on that. We're still going to submit for your, your dental benefits. We'll take care of all the paperwork, but we're going ha- to be in a different relationship. So you, ha- you have to prepare your patients in advance, I believe, is the best way to go.
1: What do you think about trying to move patients into an in-house plan?
0: love that. Why,
1: why do you think you see a lack of success with it? In general, I, I don't see a lot. Of, I, and I think it's commitment myself. I'll let you, you have more experience with this than I do. So I'll let you, of course, answer that. But what do you see? What do you, what do you why do you not see this really take off in practices? I,
0: I see it. I, I see the in-house membership plans work well with the patients who don't have a dental benefit plan they're already in. You know, I think if you're going to try to say to someone, "Okay, drop your, you know, drop that plan that you're on and go on to this plan. One of the one of the big key factors in the in those plans is getting the team to um, embrace this and to be able to talk about it with patients. They have to believe that it's in the best interest for the patient and it's a good plan. Um, I think they have the most time to talk to the patients about it. And understand it.
1: Yeah, it makes sense to me. So let's talk about what are some critical flaws or critical errors that you see doctors make when they switch or try to switch to fee-for-service. What are some big no-nos that uh, can get you in a bunch of trouble?
0: Um, that's a good question. Things that can get you in trouble. Well, what's interesting is is as they go through this process, it takes, I think, about a year to kind of flush things out as far as which patients stay, which patients leave, which patients leave and come back. Cause they, you know, they have a relationship with the practice. They don't feel they're being treated the same way. So I I think you have to be a little bit flexible and bend your knees and think of it sort of as, as a ride. And I, I think you have to really know your, it's important to have a great online review presence and you have to be able to really, analyze your patient experience to say, okay, you know, how are our patients really feeling about this practice? Because they'll stay with you if they feel emotionally connected to you and your service. So I think, I think you've really got to talk to your team about dialing up the the customer service.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So last question I want to ask you today, I'm going to love asking this of most of our guests. Um, if someone's looking to hire a coach or looking to hire a consultant, um, someone who's an expert that can help guide them through this this process, what are some things that you think that they should they should look for? What are some questions that they should ask? How should they go about vetting that person?
0: Uh, I think it's great to be able to um, talk to their current clients, you know, who have you been working with and, you know, get in, get some experience from, you know, hearing from their their active clients. Now I, I think it's important to have some type of strategy and plan. And I like to look at metrics with the practice. So I work with mental intelligence, I work with practice by numbers, I like to numbers, uh, tell a bit of a story. So I, I think we need to have some kind of starting point. I, I go month to month with my coaching relationships. So you know, if it's not working in a relationship, I don't I don't force patients, people to stay with me. I will say, give me 90 days. Um, And I, I'm building a community of my clients. So I enjoy um, bringing, bringing the doctors together. And I also have a group of practice administrators to, to kind of share and um, have some type of, some type of way of, of dentistry can be very isolating. I think a lot of dentists don't talk to a lot of other dentists. So I try to try to create some community and that um, that's a lot of fun for me as well as for my clients.
1: Makes a ton of sense. Um, Susan, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Um, before we say goodbye, I want to encourage our audience to check out your website. It's dentalcoaches.com. Um Great uh, information on there. A great way to get in touch with you. Um, Again, Susan, DentalCoaches.com. Susan, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for joining us on today's
0: episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, DentalBrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.